Welcome to a very special episode of the Ulster Rugby Lad podcast. It's special for two reasons. The first reason is I'm joined by Ryan Caldwell. If you're an Ulster fan, you'll know who Ryan Caldwell is. He played for Ulster, came through the ranks. Uh, abrasive, aggressive second row. Went on to play for Ireland, moved over, played for Bath and Exeter. Had a great rugby career and an amazing journey. Very interesting to hear him talk about that. It gets even more interesting whenever he goes through that transition out of rugby. Very interesting guy. Could not be more different off the pitch to what he's like on the pitch. A really, really nice guy and has had a really transformative experience since leaving rugby. I'll not give too much away. The other reason it's a special episode is because we're recording it in a place called HydroEase. So HydroEase is a flotation centre and they've been very supportive of the podcast. So the other guest is Vivian McKinnon and Vivian owns HydroEase, started the business and is really passionate about what she does and about well-being. I want to take this opportunity to tell you a bit more about the podcast. So this has been going for some time now. Thank you so much for listening. I'd really appreciate it if you are listening to tell people about it. And the reason for that is I want it to grow. And the reason I want it to grow is because there are a few businesses who uh, advertise on the Ulster Rugby Lad website and all of that money goes towards supporting uh, asylum seekers and refugees and it's not very much money but anything that any proceeds from the podcast go towards that and so it would be very much appreciated if you would share the podcast tell people about the website and lots of good things will come from that so we're going to launch straight into the interview with Ryan thanks again for listening don't forget to tell people about the podcast about Ulster Rugby Lad follow on Instagram on Twitter, Facebook, etc. And enjoy. Yeah, so I sent through a list of questions. There's some quite good ones, like some quite deep ones, and um, ones more about rugby and stuff like that as well. So it's a good mix in there. So I don't know if you've uh, heard any of it. Basically, I've done different interviews with different rugby players and stuff like that over over various sort of years at Ulster so it would be guys like Stephen Ferris yes. and John Cooney and Lowry and some of the 99 squad brilliant, and all those brilliant. guys so it was a great mix of people yeah, yeah. and always great to hear from, from guys and, and it's particularly how you've transitioned out of rugby yeah. as well so yeah. that's one of the most interesting bits for me guys who performed at a really high level maybe why you ended up stopping playing or yeah, do, yeah. like do you miss it or not and and sort of highlights and stuff yeah. about your, your time but if I could start I, I suppose the best place to start maybe is where we are, we are. so we're at Hydroese today and joined by Vivian uh, who, who owns at Hydroese and yeah. started it you tell us more about what this place is and, yeah. um, and what you do here. Yeah, so we are the only flotation centre in Northern Ireland and flotation involves 25 centimetres of body temperature water and half a tonne of Epsom salt. So when you get into the water, the water's set at body temperature and the first thing that happens is your subconscious mind goes, hang on a minute, Am I standing up? Am I sitting on my bum? Am I lying on my back? So in the float, it just gives you that space to kind of go, right, all clutter aside, all the noise away, and just to be able to creatively think. What it also does is it restricts access to the part of the brain that houses the fight or flight. So the part that causes us anxiety or distress or if we have any kind of trauma in our lives. So it's really good in terms of, you know, mental processing. 
But for the body, when the body has completely been removed from gravity and there's no need for movement or balance, what then happens is that 80% of energy that we use for that, for movement and balance and fighting gravity, suddenly just has nothing to do. So it turns inwards. So what that does is it starts to, um, if you have any kind of lactic acid, any tight or tense muscles, it starts to soften the muscle and reduce and remove any lactic acid that could potentially be stuck in there. So it just means that the body goes into a nice soft shape, the body is able to just rest and repair um, and the mind's doing the same thing. So yeah, there's a brief kind of overview. Interesting and there's so much more could be said and I, I know that you could talk all day about that. I, could, and, I actually could. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, like a lot of people, I think I was t- talking to you before, a lot of people listen to the Joe Rogan podcast yeah, and then find out we're fluking that way and I... Uh, I was one of those people. I was like, oh, I'd love to try that and see what it was like. I love that. So, um, Ryan, have you been floating yet? Or is no, it? not yet, but uh, we're just talking about it. Yeah. Actually, I was actually, for a few weeks before I even met the video, uh, me and my uh, partner had been talking about going. Yeah. Next year, when it goes well, and then we're talking about it, talking about it, talking about it, and then I met Vivian this Saturday. Like, it was just uh, <laughs> strange coincidence. Strange so now, so now, now we're... Uh, <laughs> now we're going floating next week. <laughs> Brilliant. I know. Oh, yeah, hearing you talk about it as well helps you appreciate all the benefits it can give you. And certainly didn't think about that scientifically, but I just knew it was, you always felt better when you came out. And I, I thought it was brilliant. So, and it washes the brain in a way. Like the brain will produce the same endorphins in the space of one hour as it would in about about five hours sleep. Now that's not to say that it replaces five hours sleep, but it just washes the brain in the same way. So, you know, your body's natural painkiller and your body's natural feel-good chemical. And the amount of times, I mean, we had a guy coming out here one day and he, he went in the cabin and he came out completely naked, not a stitch on, walked into the reception, luckily had a towel hiding his you know, his bits, and he was like, oh my God, was that an hour? And we were like, uh, yeah. And he was like, how bizarre. He turned around and we just seen this bare bum going back. And me and my colleagues did look at each other and we were like, did that just happen? And he came out and he sat another cup of tea with us and he genuinely just never paid attention to the fact because he was just so like, wow, that was yeah, amazing. Yeah. Um, so we just need time away from this world. Yeah. We just need to... Just having that hour, and even just an hour away from your phone. I mean, how much Absolutely. time do you spend on your phone? Yeah, I know, hundred percent. Oh, I know, it'd be the same. Like, but um, for people listening, so we're joined by Ryan Caldwell, who who you'll remember from um, back in the day playing for Ulster. And I don't know, Vivian, if you, if you know much about Ryan's rugby career or not, or whether you got chatting about it. But um, Ryan, uh, I I remember you as a sort of a really aggressive second yeah. row, played the highest level, played for Ireland, played for Ulster. Um, went over to play for um, Bath and Exeter and had a very successful career and uh, got some listeners to send questions in put it on Instagram there the other day questions came flooding in people are really curious what you're up to and they hear about your career and uh, uh, which is great so I had to just choose some questions but the first one I don't actually have a name if we asked it but first question this is an interesting one because as a say like I remember Ryan being like a really sort of I mean you might agree with this you might not yeah, very yeah, aggressive yeah. we really get yeah. stuck in yeah. and then uh, you, you just don't come across as that now do you know yeah. uh, it's, it's almost like two different people so this first question is a good one so in the last five years what new belief behaviour or habit has most improved your life oh wow 
in the last five years. Um, well, oh, you're talking about change and my whole, I left rugby and yeah, I was, when I played rugby, it was very aggressive, very confrontational. And even though like maybe, you know, like I was like out on the pitch, but off the pitch, not so much, but it still would have been a bit of an ego, you know, off the pitch and things like that. And uh, I think, uh, Sometimes life just takes you down a peg or two, and then uh, it was a time where I sort of, after the rugby career, sort of for a while, like I sort of I did hit rock bottom a wee bit, and then uh, I actually what changed everything for me was uh, I went down in 2000, um, let me see, 18 or yeah, 2018 or 2000, 2019 to. Uh, a place in Westmeath called I and I, which is uh, an ayahuasca retreat. And uh, ayahuasca is like a plant medicine from from uh, South America. And uh, they call it the vine of souls in, in Colombia. And uh, so I went down anyway, so I went to Westmeath and uh, I, t- I did ayahuasca, I did a four day retreat with uh, I and I, which is an amazing group of people. And that just gave me the hunger then. It sort of made me ask questions about myself. And then they were heading off to Columbia to the rainforest a month later. And I uh, decided to get as, get my money together as much as I could and get my flight and I headed over to the, the Amazon jungle in Columbia yeah. in the rainforest for a month. And we spent a month out there taking ayahuasca in the middle of the jungle. And uh, like before I went, I was having serious problems with, again, like it was, I was so aggressive when I was playing rugby. And then when I stopped playing rugby, it was, my ego was still, well, I was still supercharged, you know. And I was so confused about me that day and all. And, you know, who am I now? Like I was running for all this rugby player, you know. And uh, so really, uh, I went to Columbia and had the most amazing experiences on ayahuasca. And... Uh, Really Ryan, were you not scared in the jungle? <laughs> because you know, yeah. you know I'm fascinated because it's something oh, that I've man. just started. You know, I've just yeah, started on like, Yeah, I mean, it was definitely different. The jungle, like the energy in there, just with the shamans as well from Colombia. But yeah, the the when at night you're sitting there, so you don't the, the ayahuasca ceremonies don't start until mm-hmm. after dark. So this is in the along the equator or so it doesn't get dark you know obviously quite so it was getting dark and then just the the, the place just comes alive with uh, animals sounds and everything you can imagine you know and uh, but yeah I think that was the start of a real change in me as in uh, a change in the way I look at myself and the way I look at the outside world yeah and uh, it's those changes. It wasn't even a conscious change. In well, not I wasn't conscious of it, mm. but yeah, just my behaviours just started to change and just yeah. started to get into more uh, productive things. You know, not even productive. I mean, like productive for me, like for myself. You know, taking strides in my own my own being, sort of thing. Yeah. You know, the towards happiness. Yeah. You know? uh, and was there was there some moment of revelation in the course of that uh, experience? Mm-hmm. Did you find out something about your identity? specifically did you learn who you were more through that mm. was or was it more of a general sense of understanding yourself was there like a big moment or was yeah it? it was just really it was there was one night and uh, it was like uh, I was seeing myself and I was seeing it was I was seeing all these things 
things that I was so like I thought that I was so you know people what people thought of me or ashamed things I was ashamed of you know that had done in the past and it was really just a moment of like self acceptance like you know like listen you're human you know don't be so hard on yourself everything's fine and it was like a big massive hug like and it's just like you know obviously it sounds like if you haven't experienced ayahuasca it's going to be really hard for them to understand what I'm talking about but it was a definitely a life-changing experience for me yeah self self-love and self-acceptance you know accepting ourselves for who we are knowing that things in the past they don't define you or they don't you know what I mean so yes again like coming here like I was around you know the rugby player and I loved that part of my life yeah. like you know and I would never change any of it but uh, you know my life sort of evolved now yeah. you know and I'm going down a like a completely different path if yeah. you like you know so it's exciting for me like you know I'm excited about it yeah that's so good to hear it's a remarkable transformation you know just hearing you speak there like yeah. how much you've changed over the years and uh, the, the next question is sort of tied to that that comes in from Cam Stewart this is a this is a tricky one. No, no Ryan hasn't hasn't had a chance to look at the questions. So this is great because you get the, you get the thing <laughs> off the cuff. And this oh. gets the best, most legit answers, I think. So, Cam Stewart asks if you had the whole world's attention for two minutes, <laughs> what would you say to them? Whoa, <laughs> that's a good Cam, question. I know Cam. Oh okay. yeah. Oh god, right. Uh, what would I say to the whole world? My God. I thought we'd come off sounding like the Dalai Lama or something, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I guess when you look at the world at the minute, it's so, it's so divided, you know? It's so divided. It's sad to look at. And I think if uh, everybody could just be, we could all flip and be more accepting of other people and, you know, understand that people don't have to behave in a certain way to view your view of life, yeah. you know? And accept that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So. Yeah. Yeah, just have a bit more compassion towards each other, and especially in this country too. Like, God, we're so alike. Like, we're literally, you know, miles away from each other. And, you know, we just need to understand we're all the same. You know, we're all we're all one. Yeah, no, that's so good. And he did it in under two minutes, which is great. Thank you. <laughs> that's a great message, uh, absolutely. In the divisive world that we live in. So, um, now those are really. I still start with the hardest yeah, they're, they're pretty deep. They're really deep ones there, you know. I'm say we start strong and then we can go in the, yeah. in the other So the next one comes in, it's from an old, uh, I think he, yeah, he would have been a teammate of yours, from Paddy McAllister. Oh, brilliant. Uh, he says, who would win in a fight between you and James Sanford? <laughs> <laughs> Give us a bit of background to that. Oh, God. <laughs> Firstly, Paddy, nice to hear from you for me. Uh, but what a question. Uh, Jim Sanford, good guy. Me and Jim Sanford used to have wee bits of fisty cuffs of training. You know, I, I was a wee bit older and he was the young one coming in. And I was like, you know what I mean? So, like I say, when I was so aggressive, you know, I had a few wee ding dongs. But uh, definitely nowadays, I'd say Sandy would definitely take me now. I'm getting on a wee bit. <laughs> so, there you go, Pally. Uh, that answers your question, a pressing question. So, here's another one from um, Alan Pollock. He says, do you have any memories or funny stories of playing and training with Nevin Spence and or Paddy McAllister? Well, Paddy McAllister 
I can just remember Paddy is uh, coming in this young kid and uh, we were all like I don't know this again like I was a bit older and I'm sort of like you know they were just kids you know what I mean the young bucks like yeah. and uh that guy at the age of whatever first came to us, I don't know, but he was young and he was like strong as a bull and he's even stronger than that, scary. So that was my big memory from Paddy McCarthy, was just like bridge strong, bridge, the bridge strength that he had. Yeah. And yeah, like, like a fond, really fond memories of Navin, you know, what a, he was a really good thing guy, like, again, I was a few years older than Navin, so, like, I'm not going to say we were the tightest, you know, but we were in the same squads for a few years and the same teams and played alongside him many a time and, you know, I can always remember, like, chatting to Navin and, he was such a, a lovely, beautiful soul, and he would never had a, a bad word to say about about anybody, and it was just heartbreaking, you know. And even to think about it now, when you mentioned it there, you know, because obviously not in the forefront of your mind all the time. But I, it was tough, and even thinking about it nowadays is hard too. But you know, I'm sure he's he's in a good place now. And, but yeah, he was a great, great lad, you know, and uh, yeah. Super, super guy. Yeah, and then Ulster have done a good job of uh, this awful tragedy, but the Ulster tried to keep his memory alive. Do you know yeah. when that's, that's? And I know that Paddy and him were very close as yeah. well. You know, so yeah, and I know, I know a lot of players. You know, were very close, and Ulster have done a brilliant job. You know, and rightly so. You know, it was a tragedy. You know, not only for you know for for the whole family. You know, and yeah, yeah, and rightly so. You know, Ulster need to keep that wee legacy alive and keep yeah. it remembered. Absolutely. Um, now, there's another question which came up a few times. So, mm. Graham Dewhurst sent, sent it in. Um, with one of the people who sent it in anyway. So, there's a famous incident. Mm-hmm. Uh, you probably know what I'm going to say. Right now, yeah. So, famous incident. So, there's a couple of players have written about this in their books one yeah. being Rory Best and the other being Paul O'Connell uh-huh. okay so um, this famous incident involving Paul O'Connell a punch just thrown at a training Ryan uh, young Ryan being sort of wanting to make a name for himself goes in I'll let you describe it in a second but you end up in a bad way yeah now we've heard it from other people could we hear it uh, you're retelling yeah. the story of and course. tell us what happened yeah of course so <clears throat> Yeah, like, of course, I was, I remember it, okay, so it was the uh, 2007 World Cup, and uh, I was, it was the last training camp before the two th- the, the squad left for 2007 World Cup, and uh, it was the last week of training, I think we were training down Limerick, I can't, ah, it was Limerick, and uh, yeah, we were getting towards the end of the week, and we've been training all week, and, you know, different things, live rocks, live uh, mall and live line nights and then we had like a sort of full metal jacket but you know where there was targeting like I've been I've heard it being said it was a game of touch but like this was we always played 15 minutes at the end it was basically they called it grab right but grab was shoulders in you know what I mean so I was 22 of course I was you know fit me it was wanting to go on this World Cup, was doing my best to train in, and that was, I was playing some really, really good rugby when I was 22, like I was, you know, was really coming into my own, and I, and training was not going well for Paul, um, I'd stole a couple of highlights, I can't lie on the way, not only for myself, he dropped a couple of balls and that, and then there was one incident, 
And I think it was a bad pass or somewhere or something, but I had tackled Paul and he dropped the ball. And when I was getting up, I landed on top of him. And I think this is all really hazy. But all I remember is I got up, pushed myself off Polly. And like Polly's a great guy, like I just want to say that. Like he's a flipping wonder, he's a really, really good, good man. Like, but anyway, and I pushed, uh, I pushed myself up off Paul, and I was on my way to the next breakdown or a reset, and then he went the line, and I had my back turned, and I was running away, and Polly he chased me, and it was a, he hit me from behind, like. It wasn't the, it wasn't a fight like it's been described by some people. Interesting. It was uh, and it was funny you now because. I was in hospital after it, and the Irish manager at the time had come ahead up, and he he stood at the bottom of the bed with with Eddie O'Sullivan, and they were like, you know, don't be saying anything about what happened today in training. If anybody asks you, you know, don't be. And it was quite a serious incident. I f- was knocked unconscious. I stopped breathing, went into a fit. You know, it was a very hard punch from behind, which I didn't see coming. Yeah. So if you get hit and you don't see it coming, it really rocks you. And uh, yeah, it was it was it was very scary. And you know, I uh, I remember being resuscitated to actually stop the training session because it was so serious. I actually thought I was going to die on the pitch. And uh, I remember I woke up. Uh, Mick O'Driscoll was the team doctor at the time. He resuscitated me on the pitch, and. Uh, I woke up to see him covered in blood. My mouth was busted, blood, covered in blood everywhere, blood all over me. And uh, he sat me up and he goes, do you know where you are? Do you know where you are? And I said, uh, no. So I looked around, I was like playing rugby. And he goes, yeah, he goes, you're down at Ireland training. You're at Ireland training camp. And I, I said, the big Ireland team, the real Ireland team. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I went, whoa, whoa, I'm playing for Ireland. You know what I mean? So that was, that was a funny, like, you know. And, but yeah, like, I understand that, uh, you know, like, there's st- different versions of story came out. And, you know, there's fellas I know here, close friends of mine, you know, I played with for Ulster, and we were there, who, yeah, they broke their books, but they said to me, you know, they know what the score was that yeah. day, and it wasn't a, it wasn't a, it wasn't a scrap by no 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 way <laughs> it wasn't a scrap. Paul Call were they worse for where had it been? Well, I don't know. <laughs> you know, he's a thing I'm breaking. Paul actually came up after the incident, and I have a lot of respect for Paul because he actually came up after the incident. Yeah. And he brought me up a bag of stuff to the hospital and he was actually shook himself with what had happened and he was actually quite emotional himself about it when he was sitting or chatting about it. And uh, you know, it was it was tough on him as well, yeah. you know, because I'm sure he was a wee bit worried at the time too. And like there's no hard feelings there with Paul. Like we played against each other and spoke long after that. Yeah. But uh, I'm actually glad I got excited. You know, I'm not even glad we say this story. Right there, so. What a fright for both of you to get. It was a massive fright, and you know what? That's the thing. And in, in rugby circles, like and Paul was an aggressive guy mm-hmm. too, you know. And it was just two aggressive players, mm-hmm. and you know, he probably thought, you know, he deserves this. You know what I mean? And you know, the problem might have, might have done like you know, but the red mist and all that there. Mm-hmm. And like I said, Paulie's a hell of a gentleman, yeah. and. Uh, 
you know, I've nothing but good words to say about him apart from that. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. You set the story straight there. Yeah, anyway, that's great. Because that's one of the. Uh, it's, it seems to be something which people remember hearing about. Yeah, well, yeah man, it comes up all the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, and. You know what I mean? So I know. Oh, that's so good to hear. Anyway, just uh, like like traumatic experience. Uh, we've been just talking about trauma and stuff mm. at the start, but here that's trauma. Anyway, yeah. so um, I, you probably cover this one. So uh, you might know him, Paju Spiru McAllister. Oh yeah, Paju. Paju, yeah. Paju, you know <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's a legend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he probably answered this already, but he would like to know how you went from being a big, tough, aggressive guy to becoming a big teddy bear. <laughs> his, his words <laughs> uh, yeah he knows me and Pancho he's on uh, he's on his uh, we met there well, me and Pancho met there not long ago and we actually had a, we actually held a wee mushroom ceremony a group of us you know and up in the forest just in a big fire and we had an amazing night and a lot of a lot of flipping emotional stuff and when we had that experience together we just felt so connected me and Paddy mm-hmm. like, and, and the, 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 all the group of that the group of people that I was there with uh, and yeah so he's a, he's, 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 he's a good laugh I don't know where he's coming from but yeah he, he, I've already answered yeah, that yeah, yeah 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 no absolutely um, big change um, from, from I suppose what you were like as a, as a player which is great to hear okay so Here's another one. This again, this is these are these are slightly tricky, but you answer them that you know whatever way you like. So when you think of the word successful, who's the first person who comes to mind and why? Well, successful first person goes and I'm thinking. Uh success to me is being happy yeah 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 you know if you're happy in your life and that's pretty successful like yeah know. i like i suppose i wouldn't think of somebody with loads of money or anything like that there uh 
just somebody who's content and happy yeah. in their life that's success I suppose yeah my sister's pretty successful she's quite content and all the way though she's in a really good place so we're, we're all getting there I suppose that's the goal isn't it yeah <laughs> so yeah. that yeah well not really answer the question but success to me is that yeah no that's a good way of answering that because um, I suppose that's what the, the question designed to be like how you interpret that like yeah. what is success and, and it might not be one person who typifies yeah, that exactly, yeah. something you know but um, yeah being happy and I think that's what uh, I ever people go about that whether yeah, exactly. it be acquiring all these yeah. material things or whatever people are trying to get there so. exactly so who are the people who have influenced you most in your life whoa uh, let me see so honestly I was really close to my granddad growing up I spent every weekend with my granddad most weekends um he would have been a big influence on me, you know, obviously. Uh, he was a gentleman. And, uh, yeah, and uh, I suppose me and my dad, too. My dad's a good influence on me. Obviously, uh, they're friends. And, but I think, you know, recently, I'm meeting really good people and really good influences in my life, too, you know. Uh, I met a guy, a guy there, again, <laughs> really recently, Kieran. Uh, he runs a group Natural Resilience mm-hmm. um, that he's very kindly allowed me to you know take part in with him and learn off him. He's a big influence on me. You know he's he's a successful guy. You know he's and he's an inspiration for me. You know and, and I'm really enjoying working closely with him and working closely with his group, the, the Natural Resilience group. It's all geared towards you know sort of. For men and women and getting people in a comfortable space where they can, you know, they, they do a wee bit of plant medicine there, all legal. Um, and then they do some breath work and meditation. It's getting people together, like minds. And yeah, he's a big influence on me at the minute and he will be for in the future too. Uh, and again, all the new friends I'm making at the minute are, are all positive. And yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, it's, Things are pretty good right now. Yeah. To, to switch back a wee bit to the rugby, yeah, yeah. Um, give us some highlights from your rugby career. Like, you had such a long career, Ulster, and then over in England as well. What would be the highlights? <sighs> uh, loads, God, there's so many. I got this fun packed years, you know what I mean? And God, I've had so many really good people. And highlights, obviously, all the tours went on, like, I went flipping. Churchill Cup went over the Churchill Cup. We used to call that the Churchill Stag because it was so crazy. Like that was what the the players called it the Churchill Stag. And the the coaches called it the Churchill Cup because literally you got off the plane, drop your bags in the hotel, and you were out in the town in Canada or America, wherever it was held. So they were good times, but more to do with rugby flip. Uh, obviously. I was part of that there. When I first came into Ulster, there was a lot of the old heads still there, like Andy Ward and Gary, and I was part of that 99 squad yeah. over, and that was a good, you know, on that. And then, obviously, you know, getting to play with Ireland, a massive, massive highlight, and getting the train with, like I said, the shock I was in when I realised when I woke up from being knocked unconscious and I was yeah. actually training my Ireland, you know, and sitting. It was sometimes a bit surreal because I was first and foremost a massive rugby fan, like, as a kid. And that was, was so tunnel vision. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a rugby player. And, yeah, it was just a dream come true, all of it. And then, uh, I could, you know, towards the end of my career, 
it started. I started the sort of fall out of love with the sport a wee bit. They, I've got two hip replacements now. I had really, really uh, bad hips from when I was about. I'd say I had hip trouble from when I was like shortly after that. Uh, about 23-24 I started getting pretty chronic hip pain and I think I noticed I noticed personally a sort of decline in my contributions in games and just all over my speed and things like that and I probably should have got them seen a lot, a lot earlier but again rugby clubs they want you to play they, don't, they want you to be out for six months and you know you're getting pressure off all different, you know, it's not the right time to get this done. So I ended up just playing the rest of my career with yeah. the hips and getting injections. I was getting cortisone injections in my hips at Bath and Exeter, like about four times a year. Yeah. Um, which was, you know, and that's why I felt like I wasn't enjoying the training as much. And I, but I still loved the, the camaraderie of it and all that there, but rugby yeah but yeah it was a, my, I wouldn't change any of it for the word right but yeah it was a, the, my first love rugby was my first love you know and it was I was over the moon to done it for a career yeah yeah oh, it was amazing yeah I know it's 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 good to hear do you know your passion for it and, yeah. and I also find it interesting you it was as if you found out you were playing for Ireland twice the first time <laughs> so, it's doubly good <laughs> she got to really love it which yeah, is great yeah. um, and, and you touched on it someone else asked this question as well you pretty much answered it there but I'll attack a bit on so it was actually my brother Fergus he sent the question through he asked what forced you to stop playing or being um, so you sort of answered that here well no perfect I was still playing yeah, yeah. With the hip? Yeah. And uh, both hips. Uh, by the time I was uh, at that stage of my career, it was actually uh, concussions caused me to right, stop okay. playing. Yeah. Uh, I got uh, badly concussed and again, didn't really remember anything. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, and I, I had sort of what they sort of call concussion syndrome. I, I had really bad memory. My memory was awful. And it's, my memory still would be sometimes a wee bit off, but for a good while, my memory was really, really bad. Uh, I was waking up with migraines, uh, nightmares. Um, and any time I did try and go on train, I was uh, getting migraine headaches and like cold flushes and things like that. And uh, that went on for a few months. And I went to see a neurologist, and near neurologist basically I'd said after seeing me a couple of times it said like it's not worth you you can't keep going on like this here you know it's not worth it then it's about time you call it a day here playing rugby yeah so that was that so it was the end of that yeah, and it was quite it all happened quite quite quick so yeah and it's always a two-parter do you miss playing rugby that was a big part of your life and the second part is do you have any regrets um, playing rugby because obviously it's left you with injury and um, concussion oh, and uh, so what was the first one so the first one do you miss do you miss, it? Do you miss that part uh, of life? no just because um, no 
Well, <laughs> because uh, I'm, uh, I'm happy in the sort of where I am at the minute, the journey I'm on at the minute. It's an exciting time for me right now, so yeah. I don't I don't really miss it. I no, we can change anything now. I don't miss it. Yeah, and the second part of that is: Do you have any regrets? Do you know? Everyone has a journey, and you look back. Do you regrets. have any regrets? Yeah, probably. Regrets wise, not really this rugby in particular. So, uh, regrets probably. My friend of young, young ones listening, as if they are, uh, I'd say definitely, definitely. If you're playing rugby, definitely try and, like, you know, rugby, don't rely on rugby. You know, get yourself set up for something. You know, just even if it's something small for another income, you can even do it while you're playing rugby, you know what I mean? Because yeah. you, you do have about free time, like, yeah. you know. But uh, ooh, what was that there, Von Sire? Sort of so, yeah, regrets, regrets. Um, or like things you look back on would change. Would change, yeah. So, regrets wise, no, I probably. Oh, regrets and rugby, probably trained harder, tackled harder, you know what I mean? But these are all things that are easy to do when you're looking back <laughs> at the time, it's not quite as easy. So, yeah, probably, like, I suppose. At times in my career, I could have been a wee bit more dedicated. No but looking back when you ran away from Paul that day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, regret that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, just uh, being a wee bit more, maybe, oh, I was dedicated, like I gave my life to it, like, but no regrets, no regrets. That's good. Yeah, everything yeah. brought you to this point. Yeah, exactly. This is where we are, and yeah, yeah, so yeah, like that's it. No, I'm happy. That's good. That's so good to hear. Um, so here's another sort of deep one. But what achievement in life are you most proud of? So it could be rugby. It could be obviously outside of rugby uh, as well. What achievement in life? Kids are. I'm obviously very proud of them. The two kids, you know. Let me see. Proud of? Probably. I went through a really, really shit time there for me last night. Really, I was really, the last couple of years, and I'm really proud of them. I come out of it, the, you know what I mean, the other side, and so I'm proud of myself for that. Uh, much more proud of myself for that than any rugby accolade or any other thing, you know, so yeah. I'm proud of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it's interesting because I've probably done interviews with about 30 different players from different times and Ulster rugby and a few Ireland players and things like that. And there seems to be like a rugby bubble. And when you're in it, you think it's everything. It's all consuming. You think this yeah. this training session, this game, it's the biggest thing that'll ever happen to me. And then yeah. other stuff happens in your life that's so much more significant. Yeah. Yeah. And like most players, like you had it, I'd say you had a pretty long career by most standards. Yeah. Like you twelve years. Twelve years. First, uh, I was my first Ulster development contract. Was, well, only turned nineteen. Yeah, and then and I was right up till I was thirty-one there. Yeah, retired for Exeter. So yeah, a big career, like which which is quite rare. You know, like the guys coming through. It's a very ruthless system, isn't oh, it? Like yeah, you come okay. through and you're cut, and from yeah. the squad, and that's you in your ear. You've maybe not. Gone through your education because you've been focusing yeah. on rugby, and then you're out the age of what 22, 23, yeah. nothing else to do. So, you had a good long career, and 
Um, no, it's just interesting that whole idea of a rugby bubble, and I think mm-hmm. that applies to everyone. You know, you get into a bubble of a career or whatever, and there's like you say, kids, relationships, contentment. They're all so much yeah. bigger and think, more important. Yeah, I think like you know, it's good like you know, obviously to be in a professional environment and have focus on that, you know, but that can be all consuming, yeah. you know, and that's a negative you know you've you know and then when you do come out of it yeah it's like whoa like where who am i what am i doing yeah uh, where am i going yeah. you know what i mean it's like yeah. all these things are going through your mind because all of a sudden you're not in that space with the security and the camaraderie and you know all of that and the support of all these other people you're out there on your own yeah well yeah. you feel like you're on your own you know and yeah. that's you know, it's good to, uh, when you're in the rugby bubble, uh, you know, have other interests, have other groups of friends with other interests outside of that as well. Like, if I, you know, that's one thing, that, you know, I should have done a bit more because it was a real rude awakening for me after rugby. Yeah. You yeah. know, so, yeah, so that would be a bit of advice for some people, <laughs> if, you know, if they're finding yeah. they're too, too much tunnel vision you know yeah yeah expand your horizons a bit yeah like no you can't put all your eggs yeah, in exactly. basket yeah, type yeah. thing yeah absolutely and another sort of rugby one is like you've been through a few different clubs you know there for what like six years or something mm-hmm. like that and uh, on to uh, um, Bath and Exeter what's the difference between those clubs what was the setup like what was it was there a difference in professionalism between the places or what, yeah. what do you think I of those let me see. So I started off when I all started. Like I started off in the days when it was like what was it? We were in like two thousand. Let me see. How long ago would that be? It was all My God. But uh, yeah, it was still sort of not. It's not. Wasn't nowhere near as professional what it is these days. Yeah. Yeah. So it was still a bit sort of start off as you know with like Andy Ward and Gary Longwell they were all playing yeah. and so at the start the Ulster set up wouldn't have been but then it made real strides sort of the Ulster set up now and then like it all became you know looking back on it now I can see the progression of the professionalism and you know we used to be doing a gym session and going in eating bits of toast into cups of tea and that was like back when and like that's lunchtime we would have had like pasta and or roast dinners with bread and butter and like you know like this was all like at the, at the start but it was you know when I first came to Australia and like god if you look at like the clubs nowadays what they're doing is like it's like all they're all the calories and it's all clean eating no, there's no sure they're not eating bread and butter sandwiches <laughs> and all the rest of it so but even if you just look at the players now, like it's they're absolute, absolute machines. Like they're complete athletes these days, you know. And uh, I, well, as far as the most professional club, oh, <laughs> like Exeter, we're so professional, but we love the drink. Well, if it be Exeter, we would have to drink it. We're serious, like that was big for that like I'm not a good group of like little fellas or as well amazing group like um, and then Bath uh, Bath was a good club Bath was a good club well, I went there first when I went there it was under Ian McGeegan and that was really really good I loved actually playing under Geek so did um, and then 
he got replaced by Gary Gold, big South African. And uh, I, the uh, guy was a nice guy, but just I wasn't one of his. He loved the big guy. I was may have this one. I was playing rugby in the Premiership 112 kg for a second row, which is light for a second row, but the guy was one. Guy Gold was like he wanted his second row 130 kg for you all the way. But uh, I then, so then I moved to Exeter the season after that, and then when I went to Exeter, like I it was a brilliant, brilliant club, brilliant professionalism, the hardest training team I've ever played at. Like the the, the shape that we got into over there was unbelievable. Um, everything was the, the the food was great, the setup at Sandy Park was excellent. It was probably uh, actually say Exeter was probably the most professional club. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Set up ways. I think they had big investors too, so they had the big stadium at Sandy Park and you know good sponsors and stuff like that. So it was a really good club to be a part of. I loved the time at Exeter as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, oh, all of the clubs were great. You enjoyed them all. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And um, we're coming to the end of our time here, but. Um, I suppose a good one to sort of finish on is do you still watch Ulster do you still uh, follow the team or have you got other things that you're more interested in now and do you keep in touch with your old teammates and stuff like that well <clears throat> when we're down I was down at Ulster before all this Covid stuff hit uh, we had a couple of times where we'd go down and watch one of the European Cup games and all the old players would be invited down and have a few beers so it's good catch up the fellas there um, see to be honest I would rarely watch rugby now um, just because uh, for no reason really I just sort of think whenever something took up that much time in my life and that much yeah energy and I was just like whoa there's so much more stuff out here you know I can get interested in and you know if it was on the odd time I'd watch it but like I haven't even watched the British Lions match yet yeah. this year like, yeah. I do want to watch one of them like because it is I would if it was on I would flick it on and it would be like just looking like a you know a false dirt see Ulster's games aren't really on the tally as much are they? Uh, harder to get harder yeah. to get yeah. whereas um, if I was flicking around and, and Bath were playing or Exeter were playing because their their games are on all the time, so we'd maybe sit you know, better much about twenty minutes just to see the boys used to play with. Yeah, and then, oh, he's still playing. Yeah, yeah. he's that I've never seen him before. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but uh, that would be the only time they watch them flick on to something else. You know? Yeah, yeah. But uh, oh, yeah, do you think it's something you might get back into? I will. Yeah, you know? I will. I will. Because I have had like. One of my friends there a while ago was like, do you fancy putting the boots on for an over 35s match? And I was like, not a chance. <laughs> like, and when I was sitting thinking to myself, I was going, for me, it actually would be, I probably could. And I was like, no, like, my hips are, I've had, since I've had the hip replacement, my left one's been out three times, oh, dislocated. Right. The first time was in the middle of the Amazon jungle, which was scary. Yeah, so yeah. I don't I'm not gonna be rushing back on the rugby pitch anytime soon. Yeah. Again, because I don't think it would, it would stick it to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I know. it's just you, but, uh, you, but watching it and falling in love with it again, I, I'd say so, like, yeah, like you know, it's maybe I'll definitely try and get down once 
this, the, 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 the new season starts and it's the stadiums open again yeah. and get the crowd back in I will love to get back down and watch a game yeah for sure yeah, and hopefully yeah. obviously cuts up a few of the ex-players again I know that's it I think uh, for me anyway and I know for you maybe some time out of watching is what you needed you yeah, know and just get away from it it's all it's been all consuming for so yeah. many years it's yeah. just like right give it a break and then go yeah, back exactly. but yeah. yeah it's a social thing like you go along you meet up with friends and it's a great mm. great way to it's, do it man's game compared to like watching like football I have no time for but at least at the rugby it's like yeah, 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 yeah. like the, yeah. the masculine side of me it's like yeah it's a bit of brutality uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a nice hobby yeah. it was yeah. a good scrap well that's alright it was like I mean it's bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it was uh, it was just some uh, I think it was like the most yellow card pair one season or something <laughs> <laughs> I think I would not accolade that's a claim to fame but yeah so like I could sit and talk uh, and there's so much more about the jungle and yeah, I, yeah, exactly. yeah, I, I, flip, I would love to flip them. yeah because yeah, you know what I, would, I just think God I would love I just think it's the best thing ever yeah. I would love everybody to yeah. just try it once you know I could talk about it for flipping all all day all week all year I yeah. talk about it that's that's how much I think about like. Yeah, that's so good. And I think we just skimmed the surface there today. Yeah, exactly, like, yeah. um, but there's so much more you could talk about, I'm sure. And I could sit and listen the stories about your career and uh, about, do you know, the transition and transformation, yeah, yeah, I suppose, yeah, yeah, that you've yeah. been through in the past few years. And yeah. uh, it's inspiring to hear as well, I'm sure, from people listening. And um, they'll be inspired by it. And the advice, do you know, about looking back and going, can I train harder or whatever? Um, and I suppose to maybe not have regrets as well like you are where you are but yeah. um, we're all on a journey and yeah, um, yeah it's, it was it was great to speak to you so and, and final sort of words from, from Vivian in, in terms of people coming here and because uh, Hydroese is a great place and I, I'd say I've floated a few times how where is it and how do you how do you book in for a flute if yeah. people want to do that so we're in um, Dundonald Business Park in Inspire and just go on our website www.hydro-ease.co.uk or we're on all the social media platforms just give us a phone just give us a phone you can book in yeah mm-hmm. and um, uh, yeah, I'll put up a link to, to Hydroese as I do in all the articles and you can click in there and get booked in so well thank you Ryan thank you Vivian thank for you very much thanks thank for you. having me on I've really enjoyed it um, I hope everybody enjoys listening to it <laughs> yeah they will it's been so interesting and I think we, we all need to get out into the sun now because we're in we're in Hydroese <laughs> just to speak yes, thank <laughs> and, you very much for choosing thank you very much for choosing to do it here it's been an honour to sit in and yeah, 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 definitely. Well, thank you for, for having us both. So there you go, there's the episode of Ryan Caldwell. What a legend, what an interesting story, really nice guy. And thanks again to Vivian for letting us use Hydroese. So check out Hydroese uh, if you're into that sort of thing. And also do me a favour and tell people about the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it.